0: Hello and welcome to the Guide Trump in the 2020 Election Podcast. I'm Stephen Strang, and we are counting down the days until the election. Today is Wednesday, October 21st, only 13 days from the most important election of our lifetime. It's because it's not just liberal versus conservative or Republican versus Democrat, but it's two very, very different views of America one view is that the government kind of running everything is okay, a move towards socialism, some radical you know, views of uh, the Green New Deal and things like that that would change life as we know it, not to mention the embrace of all kinds of things that the uh, Bible says are wrong, uh, like taking of innocent life with abortion or changing the definition of marriage from what God intended. There's lots of things we could talk about that. I mean, that's on one side. On the other side, Donald Trump wants to make America great again. He's told—he's defended uh, religious liberty and our constitutional rights many times. He's kept his promises. I document all this in my book, God, Trump, in the 2020 Election— as well as a sequel called God, Trump, and COVID-19. You can get both of them on my website. It's my name, stevestrangbooks.com. That's stevestrangbooks.com. I sign all the copies that you buy there, and there are special prices. So you may want to check that out. But this is my way to try to get people to wake up And my book goes into a lot of depth. It's very well researched. We deal with the issues. Now, I wrote it before the primaries. So we did not really know who would get the nomination. I rather suspected it might be Joe Biden, but, you know, he didn't do very well in the primaries. He didn't win any primary until he got to South Carolina. And then the, you know, the powerful people, the Democratic Party pressured everyone to drop out when it looked like, Uh, They might split the vote and give the nomination to Bernie Sanders. And uh, even the crazy Democrats (laughs) know that election time, that America is not ready to elect a a self-acclaimed socialist. And remember that somebody said that a socialist is really a communist only without a gun, where they try to take power through peaceful means, generally at the poll. And if they can't get the votes, they're often corrupt. We have seen this in country after country. And when they get it, get in, the country is just beat into the ground. Venezuela is the latest example. And I could go on and on. In fact, I document some of this in my book. What we did not know was some of the things that have happened since then, COVID-19 being the big one, and that's why I wrote the sequel, Guy, Trump, and COVID-19. It's things that I would have included had the pandemic happened when I was writing it. It's gotten a very good response. It's a quick read. It's only 125 pages. But I think it puts things into perspective. And if you listen to my podcast yesterday, I discussed about this Biden laptop scandal that has the Biden camp in total crisis. You know, we're being able to see that, that there's criminal activity, crime, kickbacks. We already had a foreshadowing of that when Biden bragged that he got a prosecutor fired and threatened to withhold a billion dollars of American aid to the Ukraine unless they fired this uh, investigator, who many people said were corrupt. Of course, we have to believe that a lot of the politicians in that part of the world are corrupt, at least by our American standards. But the fact is, he was looking into this company Burisma, and oh, by the way, Hunter Biden was making $80,000 a month for sitting on its board. And uh, I haven't really researched this, but I did hear someone who seemed knowledgeable say that he, he barely even visited the Ukraine. How would you like to get $80,000 a month for doing nothing? And then on the other side of the world in China, Joe Biden went there on some kind of trade deal. Hunter went with him on an Air Force Two. And wouldn't you know that 10 days later, there was like this big deal that was like $1.5 billion. Now it's more complicated than what I'm making it sound I realize that. But all of this material that is on his laptop to show and even text messages from him indicating to one of his siblings that, that Pop uh, got half of what came in. Now, Pop undoubtedly was Joe Biden. I mean, this is corruption like we've never seen, or at least I'm not aware of any corruption, especially at this level, uh, that is so blatant. Rudy Giuliani, the former mayor of New York, who was a criminal prosecutor who had thousands of convictions while he was U.S. attorney, before he was mayor, he, he said it's a crime family. And I wrote an, an op-ed, I talked about it yesterday, in which Giuliani called Biden a corrupt little criminal, a decrepit little criminal, I think is the exact words. I don't have them in front of me right now. And I just think it's very, very serious. Now, the election's less than two weeks away, and it comes down to a game of numbers. You have to win in the electoral college. The electoral college is made up of the number of congressmen and senators from each state. So that means in Florida, I believe that we have 27 congressmen, and two senators. So we have 29 electoral votes. And you have to get a majority of them to win the presidency. It is not just a popular vote. Now, in 2016, it's known that Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. But if you subtract California, he won the popular vote in the rest of the country. But California was so over the top for Hillary Clinton that she, she racked up a bunch of points there and won very handily. But, you know, you can win a state's electoral votes by getting 51% or getting 91%. I don't think anybody has gotten 91%, but, you know, know, once you have the majority, you have all those votes. And it was really—our framers did it to keep the big states from totally uh, overpowering the little states. And the big states back in the time were mainly uh, Virginia and Pennsylvania— Uh, New York wasn't nearly as big, nor was Massachusetts. The little states were some of the southern states and also uh, places like Rhode Island or uh, Delaware, which is Joe Biden's state. And, you know, they did it. You know, if, if it was popular vote, the president would or the presidential candidates would campaign only in the two or three big states and just ignore what the rest of the country wants. So I think it's a very good system. There are people who are attacking that, and we need to have a national debate. Do we want to leave things as they've been for you know, 220 you know, years approximately since the Constitution was ratified? Or, or do we want to change the system? We have the ability with amendments to change it, but for right now, you have to win the Electoral College. So it basically comes down to seven states. Seven states. That's because a lot of states they know are going to vote one way or the other. So we know that California is going to vote Democrat. We know New York and Oregon and Washington are going to be Democrat. There's not much that will change that. So all those electoral votes go to Biden. There are a lot of states that are also uh, very Republican. You know, Georgia is pretty solidly Republican and there's there's a lot of others but then there are toss-up states that can go either way so right now Trump in the polls is behind Biden but actually he's doing one percent better than he was doing under Hillary or against Hillary rather at this point two weeks before the election but those polls were wrong too There are a lot of people who did not want to vote for Hillary Clinton who just wouldn't tell the pollsters. And there was a big groundswell for Trump right at the last minute, partly because he campaigned so hard and Hillary didn't, and partly because all these scandals came out. Remember the thing from James Comey about the uh, missing 30,000 emails that they uh, deleted, and then they broke up cell phones with hammers so they couldn't, you know, so somebody couldn't get into the cell phones and find out the kind of things that they did with uh, Hunter Biden on his, his laptop. So you know that it had to be pretty bad for them to do that. Then on top of it, it was subpoenaed by Congress. When you get a subpoena from a governmental agency, whether it's a court or, or Congress, you're supposed to obey it. Uh, one time in a civil suit. Um, we had our emails uh, subpoenaed. And it was because it was kind of a he said, she said, and the other side was wanting, you know, our emails to, they wanted to look at all, all of our emails to, to see if we were saying things, you know, to each other on email that would help their cause. Well, they found nothing. We were able, they found nothing. But the point I'm mentioning is that was a civil suit it was a fairly small civil suit that was later saw, you know, adjudicated or we came to some kind of agreement. But when that subpoena came in, I said, Of course, we give them everything they want. I didn't even I didn't even want to look at any of the emails on the outside chance I'd see something that I, I wanted to withhold. I didn't want the temptation. And I just think if I'm like that with a civil suit, how much more should the Secretary of State with Congress, and not just a, a handful of emails, but 30,000. It boggles the mind. Well, anyway, I think that that scandal is one of the things that cost Hillary Clinton the election, because Donald Trump won very narrowly. He he would not have won had he not carried three states, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. And in those states, he won by only 80,000 votes, which is, if you razor thin, if you think of it. So this time around, he's got to win them again. Pennsylvania has 20 electoral votes. Michigan has 16. And Wisconsin has 10. Now, Trump must also win Florida, which has 29, and Arizona, which has 11. Uh, Florida looks very, very solid for Trump. I live down here in Florida. Florida. And there's a lot of enthusiasm. He's had some huge rallies. He's had several here in the state of Florida. I'm not aware of Biden even coming. Now, he probably has, and I just didn't notice it on the news. But uh, Arizona looks a little more iffy. I'm not up-to-date enough to really opine about that specifically. Uh, Minnesota. Um, So anyway, my friend uh, Kenneth Timmerman who wrote a book called The Election Heist, which is a novel about how an election was stolen. By the way, you can get it on Amazon if you're interested. But he, I'm on his list, and I got this email from him, and uh, I thought, well, th- this would be good information to opine on a podcast. So Trump must win Arizona and Florida. If he wins both of them, he must win at least one of the following, one, they be Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, or Minnesota. Now, Minnesota voted for Hillary, but just barely. It looked at the last minute like Minnesota might actually go for Trump. I talked to someone from Minnesota yesterday, a, a personal friend, and uh, asked her what it looked like, and she said that the top part of Minnesota, there's a lot of mining, and Trump has been very, very supportive of the mining industry. And she said, all those people used to be Democrats. They used to be good old, you know, union-type Democrats that just voted Democrat every time. She said the whole region is flipped to be Republican. Now, in the Twin Cities and uh, Rochester, which is probably the third-largest city in Minnesota, you know, you get the more typical urban breakdown where the liberals and the progressives tend to outnumber. So— but Minnesota could go for Trump. I really believe that it could. Now, when election night comes, I know we're all going to be sit up, sitting up watching it. Actually, I'm going to be participating in some election coverage by the Victory Network, which is a new network that's been started by Kenneth Copeland Ministries, and uh, they're going. They have a whole panel of people uh, who are going to be there in Dallas, where they or Fort Worth, rather, where they're located. They're also going to have certain people Skype in, like me, and uh, I guess we'll just opine as the things are coming in. And I'm going to be watching this. In fact, I'm going to keep these notes uh, just to really pay attention to these states. So on election night, uh, watch for the early returns from Pennsylvania and Ohio. If Trump wins Pennsylvania, he'll sweep the night. That's what I believe. And that's what my friend Kenneth Timmerman believes. But this is a little concerning. He says that if Biden wins Ohio, Biden probably wins the presidency. So, you know, it comes down to just a handful of states. And we need to pray. We need to pray, you know, not we need to pray that God's will is done. And I believe that God's will is for life, for protecting the family, to have freedom to to worship and to spread the gospel around the world through missions, you know, those kinds of things. And uh, he's not for the things that the Democrats say. He's just not. God is not. And I'm just very concerned that there's a handful of so-called evangelicals who, um, you know, are Biden supporters. And evangelical, the, the term comes from people who are very committed you know, to the Lord. They go to church. They get involved in their church. They pay their tithes. They believe that Jesus is the way to heaven, but they don't live like it. They really don't, and their values, I can't believe it. You know, it's almost like they turned their back on Christ. Now, I realize you can debate that theologically all day long, and I don't want to judge individuals. I'm just talking about as a group And, you know, we've seen this with other groups. You know, there are some Roman Catholics who are very, very devout, and there are Catholics who are Catholic in name only. But, you know, if you talk to them, they believe the doctrines of the Catholic Church. It's important to them to be, you know, they're baptized when they're children to, you know, have weddings and funerals in the church and, you know, that kind of thing. But it doesn't mean that they're strong Catholics and they're not praying all the time, and they're not going to Mass all the time. And I think we have that same phenomenon going on in evangelical circles. So with that, I'll wrap up this edition of my podcast. I'll remind you to go to my website, which is stevestrangbooks.com, and I'll help you out. It's my name, Steve Strang, as if it's one word. Strang has no E in it, and then the word books with an S. It's easy. So go there, get a signed copy, share it with your friends. Uh, I think you'll enjoy reading it. I've I've gotten a lot of good feedback on it. And uh, then tune in again tomorrow for another podcast on the Charisma Podcast Network. By the way, you can look around. I've been doing these podcasts not every day earlier in the year, but well over 100. I've done this year. And you can just look at the topics and there may be some that you are interested in hearing because we've been dealing with these issues. The big issues have been around for a long, long time. They'll be around after Donald Trump is out of office in 2025, you know, when he term limits out. And so we need to continue working. We're believing for a turnaround in America. But right now, We have an election right in front of us, and I believe that we need a reprieve of four more years before we fight this battle again, and I believe that Donald Trump has our back. Thank you for listening to my podcast. Share it with others, and don't forget to go to stevestrangbooks.com. Thanks for listening.